Hi, I'm Minkers. How are you all? This is going to sound a little different, um, and also no intro music or anything like that. Basically, I'm just sat in a hotel room in Salford in Manchester as I'm uh, doing TV recording all weekend. And um, I just thought I'd put some content out there for you all. Um, before I do that, I just want to do a massive shout out to Origami Nick. Um, if you go to at Origami Nick on Twitter, and on Instagram, you can see this guy's amazing creations that he creates out of paper. I don't know how he does it. Uh, but he donated to the Kofi for in the News podcast, Kofi page, um, the first ever <laughs> donation of money that I've uh, recouped. Um, so as you know, as I said before, costs have suddenly rocketed as I had to buy a new Mac each month and pay to host it. So it's, it's really gratefully received. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate that, Nick. So thank you so, so much. Uh, this show is dedicated to you. Um, basically, I've just come back from, from Scotland, you know, um, an amazing, beautiful country with rich in history and, and well-known as being the most haunted kind of place in, in the world. And uh, I just thought I'd tell you some of the stories about where I went, if anyone's interested. Um, before I do that, um, just to say... Earlier this week, uh, the whole Fortean Film Festival guys were on the uh, Untold Radio AM show with Alex and Doug. Um, massive, massive show that's broadcast through AM and also on the YouTube channel. Um, I was on at 10 past three in the morning while I was on holiday. Um, wasn't quite myself. It was quite funny as we did a screen test um, at the weekend before we went on and I bought like lighting especially um, and... Uh, I, I, they call me Mr Perfect because compared to the film people who were all about lighting my, my lighting was perfect and I looked really good and then uh, when it came to the actual night my microphone didn't work and the lighting made me look absolutely weird and strange I lugged this gear all around Scotland to end up just looking an absolute idiot Doug and Alex uh, took great joy in taking the mick out of me <laughs> but I like to feel I hold my own most people that watched it said it was absolutely hilarious um, so it may not have been the best advert for the show but if you want a good laugh um, people are in stitches watching it it's, uh, I'll post the link below and actually it would be really helpful um, it was a big opportunity for me these are, these are really important people in this world if you could just leave a comment and just say how amazing this show is that would be really really good and um, really great promotion for me so thank you so much to anyone that does that just take you one second um, and hopefully have a laugh. Obviously, I'm right at the end, so uh, yeah, just scroll through and check it out. So I'll post the link to that below and, and the Kofi uh, page as well. Um, but yeah, just thought this put some content out there and just let you kind of hear some of the stories uh, that that we experienced. So um, we didn't exper experience anything directly, but we we visited some amazing places deep and entrenched in history that I'd thought you'd tell you about. So first of all. We stayed in this really beautiful cabin in Strathire, and if I pronounce anything wrong, I really, uh, I really am sorry to my Scottish cousins. What was it? What was it? Just a lovely coincidence as well. So um, I, I did my DNA test. Obviously, I'm half Dutch, which makes up something like forty-seven percent of my uh, my kind of ethnicity. Um, but I'm also half English, which is the other half, obviously. Uh, but I found out on both sides of um, my, my ancestry, I've got um, Norwegian, um, I've got Scottish, which that was no surprise as my um, my mother's maiden name is Forfar, and uh, 
So that that was no surprise either. But but in, interestingly, while I was out there, I got an email from my my DNA thing, and it said um, that my actual uh, Scottish DNA level had increased after they've done a bit more kind of research to six percent. So yeah, it's, it's a bit like going to touch touch base there. Have tr- I have visited uh, Edinburgh before, and also um, my band toured Scotland many years ago, which was amazing. But never really got a taste of the places because we just kind of played stayed somewhere and then moved on to the next place so it was really lovely to go and actually explore this beautiful beautiful country even further and anyone in the world that hasn't been I I couldn't recommend it enough it's absolutely beautiful so the first place we stayed was a place called Strathire now this is in the Stirling region near Loch Lomond um, loads of locks nearby Probably, like, honestly, you couldn't get a more beautiful setting. It was idyllic. And uh, if anyone's interested and want to stay there, um, we, we just went on Airbnb and we found this amazing little log cabin just in the village of Strathire. Um, so if you, you're interested in staying there, it was absolutely immaculate. It was so well kept. Um, such a beautiful place. The people that own it are really, really lovely. So they, they really deserve a, an advert on here. Can't recommend it enough any time of the year. It'll just be beautiful. It'll take your breath away. Um, also, I think, I think I've covered this uh, report study on the show before. If not, it'll be on the uh, flipboard. When you stay in a place for the first time, your subconscious is, is slightly kind of aware that it's a new place. So you're alert for dangers. So you don't sleep as well. Um, however, the first night here, I slept like a log. We all did. It was just so relaxing and so beautiful. Maybe that is because we were right below a fairy hill. In fact, the railway company in Victoria Times advertised Strathire as lying underneath a fairy mountain. You travel past a loch and reach the beautiful village in the middle of a glen flanked either side by tall hills and covered in conifer trees. I'm now going to read you this directly from uh, robroycountry.com. And just forgive me for the Scottish pronunciations, as I'll probably get them exceptionally wrong. On the west side lies a steep-sided Bairn and Tisidane, known locally as Ben Sheehan or Cheyenne, and popularly called the Fairy Mountain or Hill. It must have looked imposing in Robert Kirk's time, but its sides are now softened by conifers. Strictly speaking, Bairn and Tisidane is only partly a fairy hill despite the name. It has a knoll shoulder on the south side called Ansidhain, which is the fairy hill and which is part of Bain and Tisidhain. In the last century, many local people referred to Ben Sheehan as the ancient mountain of the Caledonias or the Hollow Mountain with tales of fairies living deep inside the mountain. Recently, forest workers verified this theory with the discovery of fissures dropping deep inside the mountain. On the other side of the glen, tucked away behind the Munro Inn, is a little wooded knoll, which now has the War Memorial sighted on it. It is named Knock unto Sidhain, the fairy knoll, and stands at the foot of the steep wooded hillside. Its name too is not on the Land Ranger Alderney survey map. Beyond this knoll lies Strathair's enchanted forest, which is regularly visited by folklorists, and where small, troll-like creatures are said to appear at twilight. Another day, we went to a local hamlet called Balkida, where famously Rob Roy McGregor's grave is. For those of you that are interested in the fortune, this place holds special interest 
due to a couple in 1997 walking along the road and suddenly hearing a steam train and seeing lights coming along the old track that no longer exists. Above this kirkyard, we climb the mountain to see Turek, known as Rock of the Boar. This was where the clan Mackenzie used to come and gather before their battles. You can shout and rally your troops from the top of the mountain and it echoes right across the entire valleys. Each soldier used to pick a rock and place it on the cairn. Cairn is a pile of rocks for those that don't know. And go into battle. If they made it back from the battle, they'd remove the cairn. But slowly, of course, the cairn grew. The next day, we visited Loch Lomond. The loch is the largest British lake in terms of surface area and is approximately 625 feet deep at its deepest point. At 25 miles long, it's the longest loch in Scotland and is almost five miles wide in some places. And like its cousin Loch Ness, Loch Lomond also has its own, although far less famous, monster. The Loch Lomond croc had been seen in the 1970s, a crocodile almost 12 feet long catching ducks. It's been seen in various times since, although not as frequent and not as common as Nessie. On the way to the Scottish borders, we stopped at Edinburgh to complete something on my bucket list. Of course, it was to visit Greyfriars Graveyard. The graveyard famous for a number of things, the Greyfriars Bobby, a dog that sat on the grave of its owner every single night after he died, so famous that it became a Disney movie, and of course the place where J.K. Rowling searched to gather names for Harry Potter, including that of Thomas Riddle, known as Voldemort. However, there is one more gruesome story that the reason I went to see. In 1679, there was a Battle of Bothwell Bridge, where Covenanters fought against King Charles, the Covenanters lost, and George Mackenzie imprisoned 1,200 of them in the Greyfriars Kirkyard with no shelter, hardly any food, hardly any water, in a makeshift cage, exposed to the Scottish winter elements. Of course, most of them died. When I say most, only 48 survived, giving Mackenzie the nickname of George Bloody Mackenzie. When Mackenzie died, he was buried in the graveyard in a tomb known as the Black Mausoleum. It was here when things went a little weird. A few centuries ago, John Hayes, a criminal, was hiding from the law in the Black Mausoleum. He spent six months in there, scavenging for food. But when the police caught him, he'd gone mad. He thought that the coffins in the mausoleum moved every single night and he could hear Mackenzie scraping around inside his. Was he mad? In the 90s, a homeless man seeking shelter from the pouring Edinburgh rain found a hole in the back of the black mausoleum. He went inside, put his bags down and fell through the floor and found himself in a deeper, more ancient underground tomb filled with bones and skeletons of the remains of hundreds of humans. We don't know what happened to him in there, but what we do know is he was seen escaping, running and screaming 
by onlookers. So quick that he left his bag and all his earthly possessions behind, never to return. Then, in 2003, two teenagers forced their way into the mausoleum and desecrated Mackenzie's body, taking off his skull, using it as a hand puppet and allegedly drinking wine from inside. Since then, things had never been the same again. Many people won't even go past the mausoleum now, with blasts of cold air and cold spots suddenly appearing. People feeling light-headed, dizzy, sick. Some even just passing out unexpectedly, those in the best of health even. One woman passed out and was found to have hand marks gripping round her neck. Others have scratches, which they don't feel at the time, and only notice later if other people spot them, or they're drawing blood afterwards. Usually in the three as a mocking of the Holy Trinity. One woman had a handmark grip round her ankle, causing severe pain, and even now, decades later, when she goes out sunbathing, that section will not tan, and the handmark remains. When I visited, I must admit I did feel a little strange around there, but that also could be to do with that it was almost midday, and I even had a coffee yet. But if you're interested... You can look at the TikTok page where I do some live videos explaining the stories. And again, I'll post that link below. And these are also on the uh, 14 News podcast Instagram page as well. Lastly, on the last day, we went to Abbotsford House, home of Sir Walter Scott. The house was designed by one George Bullock. One night, Sir Walter Scott awoke hearing the sound of like furniture moving or building work going on in the house in the middle of the night. Confused and agitated, Walter Scott got up, and with a candle and his sword, could hear all the banging nearby but could find no trace or source. He later found out, after the two nights that it occurred, his friend and the architect George Bullock had died. The ghost of Bullock had been seen many times since then as well by various visitors and workers and residents of the house. Sir Walter Scott, after having a number of strokes, returned to Abbotsford's house and asked for his bed to be situated in the dining room, a room that he helped design himself, so that he could overlook the beautiful River Tweed, his favourite view, as he passed away. It's no surprise, then, that people have seen the apparition of Scott appear into the dining room on many occasions since. So we visited Abbotsford House, again, definitely one to recommend, and uh, then drove back home to Scarborough on the east coast of England. So a good old fair old time, good old trek, um, beautiful place, all of them that we visited, recommend them to everyone. Sorry this has been a bit rubbish, it's, uh, it's not scripted, it's just something I'm doing while I'm stuck in a hotel room. And I'm really, really tired, and I'm going to go to bed now. You can probably tell I'm tired by my voice. So... Um, yeah, I'll post all those links below. I uh, hope you've enjoyed it. It's just a little ramble, just to give you a bit of content until I finish the next show. Um, hope you're all well. I hope that uh, Chelsea win tomorrow and not lose like we did to Leeds. That was uh, devastating for me, of course. And um, i just say take care to you all. So I'll say goodnight. I'm off to bed. Sweet dreams. And uh, I'll speak to you all soon.